You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. They're actually right on the brink of the promised land. And from there, Moses sent out the 12 spies. They came back and said, yeah, it's everything God said. But here's the point. All of them, all of them had the same experiences. All of them had the same foundation to believe God, to trust him. All of them. The spies sent to scout the promised land all saw the land and recognized it indeed was good, as God promised. Yet all but two gave the report that it was too dangerous and not worth going in. Today, Pastor Danny will explain the difference between their response and that of Joshua and Caleb. Having seen and experienced the same good things, the ten men allowed fear and distrust of God to rule in their hearts. Joshua and Caleb had courage and faith that God was trustworthy to fulfill His promises to them. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 30 with today's edition of The Living Word. Sovereign Lord, you've begun to show to your servant your greatness in your strong hand. For what God is there in heaven or on earth who can do the deeds and mighty works you do? Let me go over and see the good land beyond the Jordan, that fine hill country in Lebanon. He's pleading with the Lord, please, Lord, after all I've been through, that's basically what he's thinking, after all I've been through all these years, please let me go into the land. But because of you, Moses says, the people, the Lord was angry with me and would not listen to me. He's blaming them. (laughs) And here's what God says. That's enough. That's enough. The Lord said, do not speak to me anymore about this matter. So he has been pleading with the Lord. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, please let me go into the land. Do not speak to me anymore about this matter. Go up to the top of Pisgah, look west, north, south, and east, look at the land with your own eyes since you're not going to cross this Jordan. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you see. He pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord finally said, don't don't say anything about this anymore. That's it. Done deal. Chapter 33 opens like this. This is the blessing that Moses, the man of God, pronounced on the Israelites before his death. He said, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned over them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came with myriads of holy ones, angels, from the south, from his mountain slopes. Surely it is you who love the people. All the holy ones are in your hand. At your feet they all bow down and from you receive instruction. 
the law that Moses gave us, the possession of the assembly of Jacob. He was king over Jeshurun, the upright one, when the leaders of the people assembled along with the tribes of Israel. Sinai was where God came down in the thick cloud and there was thunder and there was lightning and God spoke from the thunder uh, from the top of Mount Sinai and it was such an awful, in a good way, experience that Hebrews 12, 21 says that even Moses was trembling with fear. Uh, Exodus chapter 19, real quick. Exodus 19 and verse 16. Exodus 19, 16. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled, including Moses. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. And it was so incredible that the people were so filled with fear, they said, well, no, we don't want to hear from God. We, you, you hear from God and then come tell us what he said. You hear from God and then come tell us what he said. It was such a fearful experience. Seer from Deuteronomy 33 Seir, in the land of Edom, is where the Lord protected Israel from being cursed by Balaam the sorcerer. Remember that story. Time and time again, God would not only not allow Balaam to curse them, but every time he opened his mouth, he pronounced blessing. Paran is the third place mentioned. Paran is where even Moses complained, and he said, Lord, because he's got a big church. And he said, Lord, they're grumbling and complaining. If this is how it's going to be, just kill me right now. And the Lord said, choose 70 men known to be leaders, and I'll take the spirit that's on you, and I'll put the spirit on them, and they'll help you. He got 70 associate pastors in one day. One day. It was also from Paran that they're actually right on the brink of the promised land, and from there Moses sent out the 12 spies. They came back and said, yeah, it's everything God said. But here's the point. All of them, all of them had the same experiences. All of them had the same foundation to believe God, to trust him, all of them. Fascinating how it ends to me. Chapter 33, verse 6. As Moses speaks by the Spirit of God, let Reuben live and not die, nor his people be few. And most scholars think that this new NIV that I'm reading from, it actually should be let Reuben live and not die and let his people be few. Most scholars believe that should be the correct translation. I'm just going to go with that because that's Reuben. In Judges chapter 5, in verse 15, here's what we read about Reuben. Last part of verse 15, in the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Verse 16, last part. In the districts of Reuben, there was much searching of heart. Why? Because Genesis chapter 35, verse 22, 
tells us that Reuben went and slept with one of his father's concubines and committed sexual sin, terrible sin. Let Reuben live and not die. Same kind of thing when Jacob spoke, Genesis 49, verses three and four, I'm not gonna turn to it. Same kind of thing about Reuben. Numbers chapter 16, the first real big rebellion from Moses' leadership. And guess who's included in it? Some Reubenites. Chapter 33, verse seven. And this he said about Judah. Hear, Lord, the cry of Judah. Bring him to his people. With his own hands, he defends his cause. Oh, be his help against his foes. Every time they broke camp and went to move, guess who got to go first? Judah. Judah. Guess which tribe Christ would come from? Not Levi. Levi represented the law, the Old Testament priesthood. No, no, just sovereignly by the hand of God. It's the tribe of Judah. And through their tribe, Jesus the Christ would come. Very interesting. Judah always marched first, and that was a great privilege, and Messiah came from Judah, but because they always marched first, guess who fought the enemy first? Judah. Chapter 33, verse eight, about Levi, he said, your Thummim and Urim belong to your faithful servant. You tested him at Massah. You contended with him at the waters of Meribah. He said of his father and mother, I have no regard for them. He did not recognize his brothers or acknowledge his own children, but he watched over your word and guarded your covenant. He teaches your precepts to Jacob and your law to Israel. He offers incense before you and hold burnt offerings on your altar. Bless all his skills, Lord, and be pleased with the work of his hands. Strike down those who rise against him, his foes till they rise no more. Now, hang with me. There is a point to all of this. Levi, the Thummim and the Urim, they believe were two precious stones and they used them to discern the will of God. And, and Levi, Levi, after Aaron made the golden calf, and Moses is on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments and the law, and Aaron makes this golden calf, and the people began to indulge in pagan revelry. And Moses comes down, and he basically draws a line in the sand, and he says, whoever's for the Lord, come over here. Guess which tribe rallies to him? Levi. Levi. And God says to the tribe of Levi, he sets you apart. You got a special blessing because the order was, and I know we don't appreciate this, and thank God we live in the New Testament, uh, because they're to put swords on their sides and go in, and those who would not repent of this terrible sin, Levi had to slay their own brothers at the Lord's command. Wow. Chapter 33, verse 12, about Benjamin, he said, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long, and the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Benjamin had special status before the Lord. When Joseph was sold into slavery, and his brothers come back to dad, and they say to Jacob, as they have his robe, the beautiful ornamented robe that Jacob gave to him because he loved him as his youngest son. He was his favorite. 
And that's one of the reasons why the brothers hated him. And now that it seems that Joseph is dead, another son is born, Benjamin. And Benjamin becomes the favorite. It makes me think of the New Testament and the apostles when John somehow got this title that he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, Jesus loved all the disciples, but John had special status. Peter didn't like that. Remember John chapter 21? Peter, when you're young, you dress the way you wanted to dress. You went where you wanted to go. When you're old, they're going to dress you in a way you don't want to dress and take you where you don't want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death Peter would glorify God. John's back behind them. Peter says to Jesus, if that's what you got for me, what about him? It was John. I'm the rock. I'm the one. Remember Jesus? I'm the rock. If I got to die, how come he gets to live until you return? But Jesus didn't say he was going to live until he returned. He said, if I want him to remain alive until I return. What is that to you, Peter? You follow me. Follow me. Chapter 33, verse 13. About Joseph, he said, may the Lord bless his land with the precious dew from heaven above and with the deep waters that lie below. With the best the sun brings forth and the finest the moon can yield. With the choicest gifts of the ancient mountains and the fruitfulness of the everlasting hills. With the best gifts of the earth and its fullness. And the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. Let all these rest on the head of Joseph. On the brow of the prince among his brothers. Joseph, of course, a type of Christ, but Joseph becomes second in command in Egypt. You talk about being blessed. I mean, he's exalted beyond his wildest dreams. In majesty, he's like a firstborn bull. His horns are the horns of a wild ox. With them, he'll gore the nations, even those at the ends of the earth. Joseph had two sons, Ephraim, the youngest, and Manasseh, the oldest. And they became tribes themselves. Such are the ten thousands of Ephraim, such are the thousands of Manasseh. Wait a minute. Manasseh was the firstborn, but it was in the will of God that Ephraim, the younger son, got the blessing that was normally reserved for the older son. He got the double inheritance, the double portion. The size of the two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh, Ten thousands of Ephraim, thousands of Manasseh. Ephraim became the largest northern tribe. And just like God did with Jacob and Esau, what normally should have happened didn't happen, and God said, nah, I'm going to do it different here. Uh, Normally, the firstborn to get the double portion. I'm giving it to the youngest. That's interesting. Then you get to verse 18. About Zebulon, he said, rejoice, Zebulon, in your going out, and you, Issachar, in your tents. They will summon peoples to the mountain. They are offered the sacrifices of the righteous. They'll feast on the abundance of the seas, on the treasures hidden in the sand. Zebulon and Issachar are mentioned together. We're not sure why. I don't know why. We're not sure about the mountain between them. Could be Mount Tabor. But they would both become prosperous as a result of being located near two bodies of water. One, the Sea of Galilee. The second, the Mediterranean. Trade in saltwater fish from the Mediterranean, freshwater fish and fertile soil from the Sea of Galilee. 
Verse 20, about Gad, he said, blessed is he who enlarges Gad's domain. Gad lives there like a lion, tearing at arm or head. He chose the best land for himself. The leader's portion was kept for him. When the heads of the people assembled, he carried out the Lord's righteous will and his judgments concerning Israel. Gad, along with Reuben and half the tribe of Manasseh, did an audacious thing. They go into the land and they say to Moses, we really don't want to go on the, east, uh, on the west side of the Jordan. We like to camp on the east side of the Jordan. We like that land better. And you know what? God said, okay, no problem. But you got to go in and help fight alongside your brothers until they get settled in the land. Then you can go back to the other side of the Jordan and you can live in the land that God let you choose for yourself. Do you understand that? That's tough. Dan would go in, and that's what it says, and he would fight with his brothers, or, I'm sorry, Gad, and then the verse 22 about Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's cub springing out of Bashan. Dan's original territory was in the southwest, but they migrated and eventually ended up in the north section, and God let them do it. About Naphtali, he said, Naphtali is abounding with the favor of the Lord and is full of his blessing. He will inherit southward to the lake. Asher means blessed or happy. Asher would have not only the blessing of the Lord, but good relations, uh, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Naphtali. Inheritance would be in a very fertile area near the Sea of Galilee, and now I gotta close it, all right? But don't lose me here. Verse 24 about Asher, he said, most blessed of sons is Asher. Let him be favored by his brothers and let him bathe his feet in oil. That's interesting. We know historically one of the things God was speaking of there was olive oil, but that's not all he was speaking of. By the way, Naphtali's blessing was not only fertile soil near the Sea of Galilee. Matthew chapter four tells us that in the land of Zebulon and Naphtali, they were blessed because that's where Messiah uh, grew up and hung out. He'll bathe his feet in oil, not just olive oil, right at the foot of the territory aside for Asher is Zion oil and gas. They're drilling offshore there. They've estimated a couple of years ago, and I tried to find the update today, and I didn't go on the right side to find it, uh, but billions, almost two billion barrels of oil they expect to get out of there at the foot of Asher. Trillions of cubic feet of natural gas. I mean, it's just incredible. And then you get to chapter 34. Here's how it goes. Here's how it ends. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land. Verse four, then the Lord said to him, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said I'll give it to your descendants. I'll let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. And catch this, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. That's interesting. The Israelites grieved for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days until the time of weeping and mourning was over. Normally you grieve and mourn for seven days. They did 30 days for Moses. Now Joshua was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him so the Israelites listened to him. Verse 10, since then, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses whom the Lord knew face to face who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, 
to all his officials, to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Now God gave me an interesting twist as I studied this, and here's the twist. And all the things we just went through, including God burying Moses. Interesting verse in the New Testament in Jude, Jude verse nine. It says, even Michael, the archangel, Michael, didn't bring a railing accusation against Satan in disputing over the body of Moses. That means there was a funeral for Moses and Satan was there and Michael was there. And so I have to ask the question, were there other angels there with Michael? Probably so. Were there other angels there with Satan? Probably so. Why doesn't God tell us about it? Why did Moses have to go off the scene at 120 years old and yet his strength is not gone and his eyes are not dim? Why did God let Benjamin be the special son? Why did he choose Judah for the Christ to come from? Why did he do this for one and not for the other? Why did he put one here and and the other one here? Why did he give some tribes the choice to settle on the other side of the Jordan. And here's the interesting twist. I got a lot of questions about the Bible that I don't understand. I don't understand why Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel get, get delivered and Zechariah has to die between the altar and the sanctuary. I don't understand why Herod uh, kills James, the brother of Jesus, and then when he saw it please the Jews, he arrests Peter. Obviously, He's going to do the same thing to Peter. But as Peter sits there in jail waiting his fate, God sends an angel and delivers him. I don't understand why Elijah was, Elijah was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire and a successor, Elijah, who said, oh, give me a double portion of my master's blessing and anointing. And God did. Twice as many recorded miracles Elisha performed than Elijah did. And yet, 2 Kings 13, 14 said that Elisha died of an unknown illness. I don't understand that. Paul the apostle had a thorn in his flesh for the rest of his life and ministry. We understand, God said, my power is made perfect in weakness. But what about his number one guy, Timothy? Timothy had oft illnesses and stomach problems. And these are two guys that prayed for people and saw them healed and even saw people raised from the dead. And then you got John the Baptist. And he sends his disciples to Jesus and he asks the question, are you the one? Wait a minute, John, you saw the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove light on him there in the Jordan River and you heard the voice, this is my beloved son. And yet John was challenged in what? Faith. First John chapter 5, verse 4, it goes like this. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Moses, your time's done. Your ministry's through. Lord, please, 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 please let me go in and see the land. Don't speak to me about it again. Then you have all these things. I, I just, there's some things I don't understand. 
but it's because I'm not God. It's because God hasn't told me. Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today for his message in Deuteronomy. There's a lot to learn from this Old Testament book. Deuteronomy was written at an interesting time in the Israelites' history. They were ending their time of wandering in the wilderness, and they were on the cusp of entering the Promised Land that they'd anticipated for years. God's promises included in the book of Deuteronomy were a reminder to the people then and are a refresher for us too, that God wants us to be faithful to Him. When your loyalty lies with God, then He's freed up to bless you richly in the way that you go. Do you want or care about God's blessing? If you'd like to hear more about this from Pastor Danny's teachings in Deuteronomy, or if you'd like to explore other series from the Living Word, we invite you to visit ccfstpete.church. Simply go to the Resources tab and click on the Teachings link. While you're browsing our website, you can also learn more about the church where these teachings come from, Calvary Chapel Fellowship. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us for church this weekend. We meet on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Details and directions are at our website. Again, that's ccfstpete.church. Join us next time for more from Deuteronomy. Pastor Danny will continue to bring this book to life and help you grow in your understanding right here on The Living Word.